for today's Tech Check, we're talking to one of the biggest earnings movers of the day. Take a look at Duolingo reporting a beat across the board, raising guidance for the fiscal year, clearly speaking the street's language, sending shares surging today. Joining us this morning in a CNBC exclusive, Duolingo CEO, Luis Van Omel. Luis, great to have you. Um, talk to me about what you think is driving the price action today. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I mean, in general, just um, our 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 performance keeps being very strong. Um, our, our users have grown very, very strongly over the over the last several years, and it's because we keep on making the product significantly better. Uh, we're a product-driven company, and just over time, our app keeps getting more fun and more effective at teaching languages. Um, and so, since people love it, they also subscribe, and then uh, we make a lot of revenue from that. And so, that, that's helped us out quite a bit. Can you can you help viewers understand where we are right now? in sort of the, the, the learning language model uh, trajectory? Are, are, we, are, are, are things being learned and absorbed in, in the model at an fa- even faster rate than in the past? Um, yeah, I mean, we're teaching better and better. Every, literally every week, Duolingo gets a little better at teaching. Uh, and it's because we have a lot of users. I mean, we have millions and millions of users who use the app every day, and we use their data to teach better. Um, we're, Duolingo is not quite as good as a one-on-one human tutor just yet, but it is as good as a classroom. And so, uh, you know, people are very happy with the amount that they're learning. In terms of the market penetration, uh, language learning is a huge market in, in the world. This is about $60 billion a year are spent on it, and there's about 2 billion people learning a foreign language. Uh, so we still have a lot of room to grow. So the way we see it is we're still in the early days for, for the market penetration for Duolingo. Yeah, that's the biggest question that I, that I see from analysts trying to value this stock is just how big of an addressable market you see ahead of you for, for language learning and potentially expanding broader than that into a broader learning kind of application. Yeah, for language learning, we, we believe we still have a lot of room to grow. Like I said, there's it's about $60 billion a year spent on language learning. The majority of that spent uh, of that spend is spent uh, offline, but the market is shifting online, and we're the largest online provider. So we expect over the next few years to capture a lot of that. Um, so I, I think that's a, a big thing for us. The other thing that is, that is important to say is in many countries, like the United States, we're growing the market. About 80% of our users in the U.S. Uh, were not learning a language before Duolingo. So, so there's a lot of room to grow for, the, uh, for language learning. But we're also expanding to other subjects. Uh, we recently launched an, a math app. Um, we are working on a way to teach music as well. So over time, you're going to get us to see, you're, you're going to see us uh, get into other uh, areas of education and hopefully do what we did for languages, but for math and music and other subjects. What about AI? There were some questions with Chegg about whether it was it was hurting the the learning apps, and then this week, AI is Chegg's best friend. So how how does it affect your business? Um, you know, we've been working on AI since since we started Duolingo. I mean, so for over a decade, uh, we've been leaning in on AI. I used to be a professor in computer science, and you know, one of the classes that I taught was AI. Uh, so from the beginning, our our goal has been to teach as well as a human can, but with a computer. 
Um, and so we've been using AI for a lot of things. For example, we've been using AI to personalize what we teach. So for example, in Duolingo, whenever you're, you're, you're doing the exercises, we watch what you're doing and uh, the computer tries to figure out, well, you may not be so good at the past tense. So we start giving you more exercises with the past tense, for example. So that's the type of stuff we've been doing. Um, over the last year, uh, maybe in the last nine months, uh, we've seen this new technology, large language models uh, or generative AI. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen that come in and we've started applying it. So for example, we're now using it for uh, practicing conversation with you. We have a new feature called role play, uh, which is part of our higher tier subscription called Duolingo Max um, that lets you practice conversation. So you know, in general, I think uh, AI, but also in specific, specifically um, generative AI will help us teach uh, closer to the way a one-on-one -on -one human tutor would teach. A bombshell sports betting deal and a big move for ESPN and Disney. What does it reveal about CEO Bob Iger's larger plans for the struggling media giant? And will tonight's earnings report provide any more clues? We turn to Julia Borson with those questions. Hi, Julia. Hi, Kelly. That's right. Well, I think that this ESPN deal to launch its first sports book really indicates that Bob Iger is looking for new revenue streams and he's willing to go into uncharted territory in order to generate some new revenue. And I think he probably sees this sports betting business as perhaps some low hanging fruit. Oh, Kelly. I, I was like, is she throwing to a soundbite? I'm sorry. Okay, no. yes. No, so the, all of this said, the larger question is, where is he going from here? Is he prepping the company for a sale, right? He's clearly stripping away a lot of these different, um, I don't know what you'd call them, distractions. The theory going around today is that he's trying to make it more palatable, palatable for someone like Apple down the road, perhaps. Well, there's been a lot of speculation. Um, analyst Laura Martin from Needham has speculated that Disney would be a great acquisition target for Apple down the road if it were to divest of certain assets. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think he's seeing the fact that ESPN has stayed away from really engaging in sports betting up until now. But now that so many states are uh, have legal sports betting, there is this huge financial opportunity. And he wants to make sure that it's not just DraftKings that's benefiting from the interest in sports betting, but that ESPN is as well. So they're going to have $150 million in revenue um, every year over the next 10 years that is going to flow directly to the bottom line from this deal um, with, with uh, Penn Entertainment and to create this new sports book. And I think what's really essential here is understanding that he's just generating new revenue opportunities from the assets they already have. This does raise the question of what he's going to do with ESPN. He said they'd be interested in having some potential minority investors. We have reported that Disney and Bob Iger have talked to all the major sports leagues, NBA, NFL, NHL, um, and MLB. And the question is whether they could get these leagues to come in as investors in ESPN and make them really benefit from the upside to bringing ESPN both direct to consumer as well as have ESPN have a linear um, platform on linear TV. So I think there's a lot that still has to be figured out about ESPN, but I do think he's just looking for more opportunities to monetize the assets they, that they already have. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting investors like Stephanie Link don't like their Hulu plans. I don't know if he would ever backtrack on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like at this point they're very much on the path of buying out the remaining stake in Hulu that Disney does not currently own. That is currently owned by Comcast, which is, of course, CNBC's parent company. It's still unclear how much they're going to have to pay um, to buy out their remaining stake in Hulu. And then the other piece of Hulu is that Disney has said they're going to be incorporating Hulu 
into the Disney Plus platform. And this is all to make Disney Plus stickier, to say you're getting so much content from this platform, you're not going to just cancel it when The Mandalorian or your favorite show is over for now. So it's really about generating that sort of consistent ongoing value and seeing the general entertainment appeal of Hulu as being part of that. Right. We don't know exactly what that's going to be going to look like, but it is set to happen this fall. So I think that there's a lot still to be learned about his his goal for Hulu, and then also what Hulu looks like when it's entirely owned by Disney, which we do expect to be the case. All right, Julia, for now, thank you. Julia Borson, and we'll get those results as mentioned after the bell.